Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms and producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome on in. It's NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Whelan Engineering road in the air or around the world wheeling is trusted to be seen trusted to be heard and trusted to perform it's a little bit of a different situation here on this episode of nascar coast coast kyle ricky up in connecticut i'm down here in sebring florida for the mobile and 12 hours of sebring so the first uh of the zoom call uh introductions here on coast to coast but nonetheless we got a great show kyle ricky our mrn announcer i'm pit road reporter chris wilner and uh, we've got a great show for you, Kyle. Peyton Sellers is coming up on the show. 40 years of racing at South Boston coming up. Pretty sure if you didn't call it South Boston Speedway, you call it Peyton Sellers Speedway. By the way, he's run that place. Yeah, six-time track champion, a two-time national champion. And, and that those national championships came from most of his success at South Boston Speedway. Looking for a record-tying seventh title this year. In a, at a race facility that is, you know, one of the finest in the country um, and is could potentially see some ownership changes. So we'll talk to, to Peyton about that and about the upcoming season that kicks off this Saturday with some uh, twin 75 lap features. Absolutely. And then you just got back from Phoenix as the NASCAR West Coast swing finally comes to an end. I know a lot of teams are thankful for that because by the time you get through Phoenix, they are just flat out exhausted when you taking into account the travel from the East coast back to the West coast and back again and all the hours, but you got to watch a pretty cool Arca Menard series race in the Arca West series opener out there at Phoenix a little bit, you know, of a battle of attrition, but we got a great finish at the end. Yeah. A lot of cautions uh, early in the race, late in the race. I mean, middle of the race, there wasn't a whole lot of long green flag action, but a good field, I believe over 30 cars started the event a lot of names that I weren't even on my radar finishing in the top five, uh, you know, Tanner Rife picking up the, the win, Landon Lewis, Ricky Erickson, uh, or, sorry, Bradley Erickson, uh, Andres Perez DeLara, who we talked a lot about late last year, um, had a good run in his debut at the Bristol Motor Speedway, finished fourth. Kyle Keller rounded out the top five. But uh, you mentioned the attrition, uh, thoughts that were D.L. Wilson. Hard crash in turn number one with Tony Breidinger late in the event. Um, hospitalized post-race with a, a potential concussion. Suffered some broken ribs and a, a damaged sternum. So uh, best wishes to uh, DL and, and his entire team with Andy Hillenberg. Yeah, absolutely. We'll get into that ARCA race here in just a minute. But uh, coming up on the show, also stick around. Uh, drama at Hickory Motor Speedway. We're going to dive into what happened last week with the late model stock twin 40s the reactions from both the drivers, the racetrack, and maybe where they go from here. Uh, so stick around for that. And of course, our calendar is we really get into the meat of the month of March, which means the weather's getting nicer. At least it is in our neck of the woods. Kyle, I know it's still wicked cold by you. Did I say that wicked? Is that a New England thing? Wicked. That's a word up here. 
That's right. That's right. Wicked cold. So hopefully it warms up a little bit, but I know more and more tracks, including South Boston are opening this weekend. So a lot of good stuff up ahead, but let's get back to Arca here in the general tire 150 uh, and, and Tyler Rice. I mean, what a job to not only come from the back and, and pick up the win after an incident causing damage. They had the bear bond tape all over the rear deck lid and he comes back to win uh, in his, in his first start. Well, really third start overall for Loden Jackson motorsports, but uh, walk me through just the, the racing there at, at Phoenix. Cause it seemed like you couldn't get away from each other and guys were beating and banging off each other every corner. Yeah. And I did say Tanner earlier, it is Tyler that picked up the win um, at the Phoenix raceway. And, and they look alike too, a little bit. What's that? So they look alike too, a little bit. I just a it. tad, just a tad. Racing was intense. The restarts were unbelievable. Um, and we saw that all weekend in the Xfinity and cup, but when you get the inexperience of a lot of these Arkham and series drivers, most of these Arkham and series drivers that are still, you know, 16, 17, 18 years old, and they fan out five wide on the front stretch uh, going into turn number one. Sometimes they don't know what to do when they get there. And we saw a lot of pretty big impacts because of that. Uh, we saw a Williams Wallach get spun on a late race restart because of similar circumstances uh, while leading. I mean, it looked like that race was in the bag for William until those late race caution flags. It was intense. A lot of mistakes were made. Uh, unfortunately, a lot of tour of race cars for many of these teams, it was their first event of the year as it was the first race of the year for the Arkham Menards West series. So they hadn't uh, had a whole lot of track time, if any, here in 2023. So, you know, having to, to, you know, shake the rust off, if you will. And unfortunately, you know, it cost a lot of teams, a lot of equipment, but some new names that managed to miss it all made their way to the front, including Tyler Reif. Yeah, absolutely. And what an emotional win it was for him saying, you know, it was a dream come true, but you talk yeah. about the incidents. Uh, William Swalich was one of them, obviously debut for JGR. We know what the speed those race cars have any, yeah. no matter who's in the race car, uh, but also a tough break for Jack Wood and Jesse Love. I mean, early on about the midway point of the race, I thought it was going to come down to either of those two drivers uh, to win out there at Phoenix. And then here comes Connor Jones again, a little bit of the young inexperience and drove it in there a little too hard and ended up collecting both of those drivers. So you never know what's going to happen at Phoenix. It seems like it's kind of been a trend lately. Uh, and how about Frankie Munez, a top 10, first career top 10 for the actor turned race car driver. Uh, and he had to dodge some bullets as well. So uh, it's all about a little bit of luck there at Phoenix as well. But uh, what a job by by everyone, really, especially at the end there for Tyler Wright. And how about the rest of the uh, weekend, too? A lot of Arca Menard Series graduates picking up wins like William Byron as well as Sammy Smith. Yeah, good to see Sammy Smith in victory lane. He had the dominant car, um, especially on restarts. It was fun to watch him and and Kyle Busch, ironically enough, raced for the lead late in the race because it was Kyle that would be the driver the last 10 years in that car that Sammy was in, dominating at the Phoenix Raceway on Saturday afternoons. And uh, see the youngster and the veteran go at it. Kyle with his new team with Colleague Racing uh, was fun restart after restart. There were several times I thought Kyle was going to get him. He never did. Uh, Sammy was able to stay out front, claim his uh, his first series win. And then William Byron on Sunday, you know, uh, he ha has found so much success at this level of the sport, being the Arkham and Art Series and the old K&N Pro Series East uh, before it was rebranded. Now back to back wins at NASCAR's top level uh, to wrap up the West Coast. So good for William. They have found something at Hendrick Motorsports as a team. All four cars are now running well. Josh Berry getting a top 10. 
uh, a former national NASCAR champion. Uh, Alex Bowman was up there. You know, obviously Kyle Larson had a good weekend along with Williams. So uh, they figured it out and uh, good to see some of those uh, alumni from the short tracks doing well on the big stage. Absolutely. Well, the next time we will see the ARCA series, it's going to actually be the ARCA East opener, March 25th. That's a Saturday. Five Flag Speedway will be their series opener. And Tyler Reif has already said he's running full West and East schedules. So we'll see if Tyler can go two for two in his young career at Five Flags on March 25th. Next time we'll see the West Drivers, Irwindale Speedway, out just outside of Los Angeles in Southern California on April 1st. That's a Saturday. And then we have to wait till April 22nd in Talladega before we get the Arkham Menards National Series back in action. So that's how they're spread out through the next couple of weeks. All right, let's talk short track racing, and we'll do it with one of the best to ever do it behind the wheel of a late model. That's Peyton Sellers. He's on the line coming up next here on NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by Wheelan Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers, and warning systems for the automotive, aviation, and mass notification industries worldwide. Whelan products are designed, sourced, and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Whelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left, and we're here to stay. Now via Zoom, joining the Zoom party this this uh, Thursday is going to be Peyton Sellers, late model racer and six-time track champion at South Boston Speedway, of course, two-time national champion as well. Peyton, appreciate the time, man. We're getting ready to kick off the 40th season of late model stock racing at South Boston. Can you believe it? No, it's unbelievable. You know, we, uh, we've called South Boston home for, for our whole life now. I grew up going to races there and, and, and started being a part of it when my brother started racing in 1996. And um, he kind of stepped away and let me take over the reins in 2001. And I had the opportunity to win the national title and the track title there in 05. And from there, I had an opportunity to go up and do some racing at some higher levels. And, um, I tell everybody, it's kind of my, my retirement plan now. I've been able to come back and race late models and, and have a lot of fun with it and still work in our family business full time. So uh, I, I'm a weekend hobby racer right now, but it's, I've, I've been able to do it and kind of come full circle for me to where I kind of just enjoy and love racing and what I do. Um, you know, it's not all about making a living doing it or being on TV. It's just for the love of the sport right now for me. So uh, we race about 40 races a year and 12 of those nights will be at South Boston this year for their, uh, for their season this year to try to win another track title. 40 years of racing uh, late models at South Boston Speedway. I'm doing the math. So you're there for just over half of them, right? About 21, 22 years ish. Yeah. Yep, that's right. So, but yeah, I didn't. I didn't race full time there for a long time. I, I raced right. just a couple of races a year, but um, you know, and prior to that, they run the old sportsman cars. So they've been racing a lot longer than that. But the late model stock rule package and and, and the NASCAR series about forty years. Yeah. In that twenty some odd years that you have been at least involved part time or full, how much is, has that style race car that style racing evolved there? A lot. You know, we've had a lot of big names come through South Boston. I don't have to name them all, but the Burtons and Denny Hamlin, just to name a few, you know, and um, the, the cars themselves have came a long ways. Tires have came a long ways. But at the end of the day, it's just um, it's produced good racers for many years now. And, um, you know, th there's a handful of tracks throughout the country that just resonate with people. You know, when you got 
you know, Stafford and Bowman Gray and South Boston. And to see that South Boston has been able to keep on that cutting edge year after year with, with folks like the, the um, Nick Kudowski and his family, the Mattiolis, they've been able to keep South Boston at the forefront, pushing technology uh, week after week, year after year. And that's, um, that's what's given us a great opportunity and a great platform to go race every week. What is it about South Boston, though, that makes it special from a driver's perspective? Obviously, a lot of success for you, and it comes over many, many years. But for maybe a fan that says, you know, i got to go check out this track. I hear all about it all the time. What is it about that place that just resonates with you and makes it so special? Well, for, for me, it's how hard it is to get around there. It's got a lot of corner. When you look at an aerial shot of it, it's a lot more corner than it is straight away a lot of times. And, um, you know, it's just you have to keep your cars working very good. So that's what makes the drivers good. But for the fans aspect, it's all about the Bloney Burger. So, yeah, you know, I tell everybody South Boston could open the gates every Saturday night, not even have a race and they'd still have a party. And that's what it's all about. Well, their tailgating spots and all that. Um, it, it's kind of just a, uh, a following that the people there in Halifax, you know, South Boston area, they just show up and have the party and, and the race will happen. So, um, you know, they've got a culture there in a small town with, with South Boston that just um, it pulls people out. It gives them something to do on Saturday night. Every track, or should anyway, have that little character, uh, whether it be on the surface or, or behind the grandstands. And at South Boston, it's it's the baloney burger, and you got to have one every time. Every time you go, you ended last season three wins in the last four starts. That fourth race was a second. A lot of momentum. I'd ask if it could carry through the off season, but I know a lot has happened this off season for you uh, in preparing for uh, a new year with uh, what a new race car. Got a new race car, got a four-month-old baby, and um, been some challenges this winter, but it's all been good. I, I wouldn't change it for anything. Me and my wife had a, had a baby daughter back in November, and uh, that has been, you know, starting a family at 39 has been a, a great opportunity for us. And uh, We've been married for over 10 years, and for us to have our first child now is just something that we're really, really happy about, and just something special to us. So I can't wait to move forward through the years, bringing her to the racetrack and letting her see what, what we do and, and what we do as a family. So um, I've got my brother there on the box with me every week. My dad spots for me and uh, mom and my wife come out to every race and support us. And you know, that's what it's all about. It's about family. It's about short track racing and, and um, the grassroots you know aspect of everything we do. And, um, you know, so we did build a new car this winter, just like we had last year, same type of car. So, uh, I'm looking forward to getting that thing out there and kind of, you know, getting it broke in and try to figure out what it's going to call for. And I'd like to think we could pick up where we left off, but I know it'll be a challenge. There'll be a lot of good competitors coming in this weekend and um, we're up for the, we're up for the challenge though. I know each and every year we always talk about the NASCAR advanced auto parts weekly national championship. And, you know, you've been fortunate to win it twice last year at, took like a week and a half to, to figure out who won between you and Lane. But does maybe some of that disappointment last year give you a little extra oomph going into this year to, to come take it back? Um, yes, it does. And, and it also gives me a little bit of, um, I'll be honest with you, you know, we chase points a lot. We race hard. We, we try to make every point count. And um, to see the way things were done last year was just not very professional. And uh, you lose hope in the system a little bit. But what keeps giving me hope every week is the fact that I get to go drive race cars and get to pursue my passions and, and get to do what I, you know, want to do every week. And, um, you know, the, the points deal was, was, was bitter for me, but we also ended up winning Martinsville next week. So I feel like everything kind of come full circle for me. And, um, the, the bitterness was followed up with the sweetness and that's, that's what sport is all about. Right. And, um, we, we always want that, um, 
that silver lining at the end of it. And, and we had that at Martinsville. That was a big win for me and my family and my sponsors with Clarence's Steakhouse being just down the road and, um, you know, Daniel Toyota just down the road. Those guys have been with me for 15 or 18 years now, uh, regular and, and been, you know, strong supporters through the years. And to be able to put them in Victory Lane at Martinsville with, with, you know, you guys covering the race and all the publicity and press that goes into that race, it's just a, it's a huge feather in my cap. You have six track titles at South Boston. What would a seventh mean in tying David Blankenship, who's the only driver at that number right now? So, well, you know, a lot of guys around the country probably don't know David Blankenship, but he was a, a local hero in the state of Virginia. He won a lot of titles. Big, big name. Smoothest driver you've ever seen in your life and, and as solid an individual as you've ever met in your life. Um, to be able to tie David would be something that would be a feather in my cap for sure that I would just – you know, be happy to do. But at the end of the day, we've been very fortunate to race and win the titles that we have. Um, you know, tying him would be, you know, tied for number one at South Boston. Um, you know, we've raced here a long time. We, we've gotten close a couple of times. So it's not like that, you know, seven is unattainable because we, we've almost done it last year. We came up just a, just a handful of points short with Lane winning the track title there. So um, we'll keep pushing. If it's meant to be, it'll happen. And, uh, Otherwise, though, I still look up to that guy. He is, uh, he, he's truly a legend in these parts as far as how smooth he was and how just he could find his way to the front. And, um, you know, that's what I'd like to – you know, he wasn't the guy that just got out front and led every lap. You know, Philip Marsh was a guy that just got out front and led every lap. David was a guy that hung around the top five and was going to sneak in and win some races and just be smooth and not take anybody out, never caused any controversy and just uh, – that's the kind of guy you, you kind of like to model yourself after a little bit is just just being the guy that's quiet, that doesn't cause a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of ruckus either way. Uh, obviously, big season coming up for you once again, chasing a title, but uh, big season for South Boston, you know, being in the news, being up for sale. Now, I know no matter who buys it, they're going to keep it as a racetrack. But, I mean, you know, with the amount of success you've had there, have you thrown your hat in the ring? Maybe try to purchase that place and just run it. I mean, you basically own the place now, don't you? You know, promoting and, and running a racetrack is something that I've probably kept in the back of my mind that I've done. And I drove for Bill McAnally out on the West Coast for a year. And I've seen Bill promote some races through his Napa program and everything he's doing with his cars on the West Coast. And I looked up to him a lot. But I also rode up down the road with him a lot, heard him on the phone, trying to hustle sponsors and try to put everything together and make it all happen. Uh, I don't know that I'm quite ready for that yet with the workload that I have in my current job uh, with, with our construction company. So, um, you know, the timing of putting that out there was probably not great, but I think that Nick, Nick and his family, I think they were just floating it out there saying, Hey, if there's other people that would want to entertain this and help take South Boston to the next level, we're open to it. You know, I don't think he said, we got to have a fire sale. We need to get rid of it tomorrow. I think it was basically just putting a word out there like, hey, if there's somebody better suited for this closer, you know, that they're eight hours away. So I think if there was a I think it was their way of saying, you know what, if if you guys want to come take on this challenge and work with it and can grow it, we want to see South Boston succeed, whatever that takes. So uh, the timing hit everybody wrong. But I think the way it was meant to put out was, was for the best interest of the racetrack. So with that said, and this is my final question for you, uh, what has the Mattioli family meant to that racetrack over the last 22 years? So the Day family owned it for a long time, done great things with it. Actually owned Orange County Speedway at one time, and they actually had a joint points division where they could run back and forth every other week. That was a home run. Well, the Mattiolis took it over, 
upgraded the track. They brought everything there to, to the forefront. They, they upgraded everything in the whole facility from the, from the lights to the speakers, to the grandstands. Um, you know, they've just been really proactive in everything they've done with the racetrack. So, um, you know, for short track racing right now, it needs that. You hear so many tracks, you know, struggling to get by and struggling to make it. For them to be able to have, you know, four or 5,000 people every week sitting in those grandstands, based on the, the fact that they have nice current conditions, we're very fortunate in the state of Virginia. We've got Dominion Raceway, we've got Langley Raceway, we've got South Boston and Motor Mile that are all current, up-to-date NASCAR-sanctioned tracks. And I hope that South Boston can continue that whatever it takes. I would love to see somebody work with Dominion or Motor Mile or Langley and have a joint points deal again where we can run every other week. Um, some of these tracks get so hung up in trying to race too many races in a year's time to try to uh, – and I know they're doing it for the for the cash influx to try to, you know, pay the bills, but the competitors right now don't want to race – every weekend back to back to back you know we you know most of these racers want to be able to go on vacation with their family or or go to another track on the off week so uh, i wish they could work something out to where they could run back and forth some with some other tracks well before we let you go also ask you about the the rest of 2023 obviously we know chasing the track title at south boston but you know last year you had the srx experience you've had xfinity starts obviously i'm sure you're going to want to go back to martinsville and try to defend that championship title in that race but what does uh, the rest of 2023 look like in terms of events maybe you want to hit outside of South Boston? So for me, we're going to go to Dominion and race some. We're going to go to Motor Mile and race some. We'll do the Triple Crown, which contains going to Langley and Martinville. Uh, I would like to, you know, throw my hat, throw my, you know, throw my name in there and go to do some cars tour racing. They've got a good thing going right now. Um, had good car count this past weekend at, you know, uh, Kinley. And, you know, in addition to that, I've got aspirations. I'd love to go do some super late racing and maybe go to the snowball and that sort of thing. We'll see how the cards fall for that. But right now I'm just going to focus on racing our family car, the Clarence Steakhouse car, and um, try to put it up front each and every week and try to come back and talk to you guys on a weekly basis because we're winning a lot of races. That sounds like a plan to me. What, what do you think, Kyle? I love it. Absolutely. Good stuff. Well, we've been doing this for like, what, 10 years, Peyton? Pretty good. Wow. <laughs> wow. Yes, sir. Yeah. So we've wow. uh, enjoyed every opportunity here. And uh, I'm actually out in Vegas right now at uh, at a Con Expo, which is a show that they do every three years. And it's part of my full-time job of, of our construction company. So uh, out here looking at new equipment, things that we can't afford right now, but hopefully we will be able to one day. But um, getting a lot of new new ideas. And HC and the guys are back at the shop getting the cars ready today, doing some practicing with some of our other drivers in the shop. And uh, I can't wait to get back here tomorrow and get ready for the weekend. Well, appreciate you getting up early West Coast time out there in uh, Las Vegas. But, Peyton, uh, best of luck to you this season. Again, the Danville Toyota 2023 opener is going to be this Saturday at South Boston. Best of luck in chasing that championship. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you for everything you do. Appreciate it. That's Peyton Sellers coming up next after the break. We're going to talk a little bit news and notes in the short track world and take a look at the calendar coming up. That's all next on NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Wheel and Engineering. Wheelan Engineering, a global leader in the emergency warning industry, designs and manufactures reliable and powerful warning lights, white illumination lighting, sirens, controllers and warning systems for the automotive, aviation and mass notification industries worldwide. Wheelan products are designed, sourced and manufactured in America and tested on site to meet the toughest industry standards. Wheelan Engineering, manufactured in America for over 70 years. We never left and we're here to stay. 
Welcome back to NASCAR Coast to Coast presented by Wheelan Engineering. Kyle, plenty of racing still also happened over the weekend, and it started with the Cars Tour. Late model stocks, pro late models out there at Kenley and Southern National. Uh, really cool to see, one, those cars back at Southern National for the first time in a couple of years. But old Deke McCaskill got one for the old boys out there at the uh, Cars Tour opener. It, yeah, he did, winning the late model stock car race. His first Cars Tour win there since 2015. So it's been a while, but as you mentioned, it's been, uh, I think, three years since the Tour has even raced there. Uh, he is a four-time track champion. He knows that track well, so... Um, good for, for the local fans to be able to cheer for, for the old timer and, and Deacon getting that win. Mike Hopkins picked up his first career win in just his third cars tour start in the pro late model feature. So it was cool to watch, uh, from Phoenix raceway where I was over the weekend, I had the race on great to see a, a near sellout crowd at Southern national good fields in each of the divisions uh, approaching 30 pro late models. I believe there were 32 or 34 late model stock cars. Uh, hopefully that support continues both uh, on the racetrack with the, the number of competitors and the fans in the grandstands over the next, uh, as the season rolls on. Of course, a lot of momentum going into this season for the Cars Tour, obviously with the new ownership, the likes of Dale Jr., Justin Marks, Jeff Burton, Kevin Harvick. So uh, things are going in the right direction. Obviously, nice way to kick it off there with a full sellout crowd at Southern National. Uh, speaking of national, the first all-star uh, ASA National Super Late Model Tour kicked things off over the weekend at Five Flags. A uh, little bit of drama going on, a little bit of some uh, confusion, maybe it's just, just a, just a <laughs> team. Uh, the racing was definitely intense, uh, to put it at uh, least that way. But uh, how about Casey Roderick picking up the win? Yeah, getting, I guess, the credit as the first ever Super Late Model National Tour win winner in its career. So uh, didn't come without drama, but we'll leave it at that. Uh, but congratulations to Casey, though. Uh, again, a stalwart on the Late Model Tour. Super Late Model Tour picks up a big win. Speaking of drama, Kyle, did huh. you follow the action from Hickory? I did. I did. Uh, as much as I could live, I have since caught up and, and got back on the lead lap, as they would say. First off, before we uh, get to that, congratulations to Landon S. Huffman and uh, Tyler Matthews on the back-to-back -back wins in those late model features. Charlie Watson finished second in both of them. Um, so want to give credit where credit is due before we start talking about uh, what happened the rest of the night. Um, but congratulations to the two winners that ultimately uh, got the victory lane. Yeah, don't want to overshadow who won, but basically if you're just now kind of getting up to speed, I don't know where you've been the last couple of days, but to, <laughs> to put it in a nutshell, uh, race number one of the Twin 40s, there was a crash on lap two involving several drivers, but three cars could not continue. One of those being uh, Doug Barnes Jr., the other track champion from a year ago, Landon Huffman. Now, here's where things get interesting. Landon Huffman and Doug Barnes Jr. could not finish the race. They ran two laps. They thrashed on their race cars, no official telling them anything otherwise, to go for race number two. They get the race cars fixed, they get them lined up, and as they're about to roll out, race officials say, you can't race. You didn't run the minimum 20 laps in race one, gives you a tire advantage for now race number two. Well, that just opened the whole can of worms as drivers and crew members were pleading with officials, asking where it is in the rule book. Apparently, it's not in the rule book at the racetrack. They were asked about it in the driver's meeting. They asked if it was said in the driver's meeting. They said it wasn't, although the track promoter uh, and, and the staff there say, I guess it's been kind of an unwritten rule. Anyways, no matter how you dissect it, and of course, this will be something we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll get Landon on in a couple weeks and maybe hear from both sides. But uh, moral of the story is 
is there's an unwritten rule that happened. It cost Landon Huffman, Doug Barnes, and the other car an opportunity to race in, in twin number two. And now it's being debated of what, what was the right move, what, what should have happened. And Hickory Motor Speedway came out with the press release basically saying that that, that that's what it is. It, drivers should know. It would have apparently been mentioned before, but Landon Huffman is certainly uh, upset about it, and he's taken to social media, and I, I know Matt Weaver did an article about it as well. So, Kyle, what, what do you think about that? No option to run scuffs? I mean, they just basically parked him. Doug Barnes uh, Jr. also took to social media and uh, put out a, a lengthy video of about 12 minutes explaining his side of what happened that night. Um, you know, I, I guess there was a a there was an option to run scuffs, I think, uh, but it was too late. They were already on the grid, ready to go. Uh, they were actually told after the commands of fire the engines for race two that they would be allowed to start the event and park the, the event, start and park the race. Yeah. You were not allowed to compete in the race because of the advantage that those three teams, Kate Brown being the other, uh, the third that we haven't mentioned yet, um, on on their newer tires. So, you know, obviously that race was then delayed because of the arguing that ensued on the front straightaway. Doug got out of his car. Um, I, th I feel Landon got out of his car. There was a big to-do around the pace car. The race was held up for a better part of a half hour. Um, I don't know what the solution is. Um, you know, it doesn't look good for, for the racetrack. Um, you know, and I think that's ultimately, you know, you went from 20, what, 22, 24 cars the first week. You were down to 16 this week. Now do you lose two or three more because of, of the miscommunication? And I think ultimately that's what it was. If the rule was there, nobody knew it, um, or they at least they didn't know it. It was not said at the driver's meeting because the driver's meeting is posted. Um Online for everybody to see. Doug Barnes Jr. made sure he 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 linked it in his video, and I was able to watch it. And it was very very informal, and there was no mention of of tires. You know, they were more concerned about here's when you get lined up for race two. If you're not raced up at if you're not lined up at this time for race two, you're not you're gonna have to go to the back. I think is what the penalty was. Yeah. So, and the statement you know, on what Sunday or Monday by the racetrack, I really didn't say a whole lot other than, you know, the rule apparently is there. Um, no one knows where, but it's there. And there's a lot of frustrated people that spent a lot of money uh, to compete in two 40 lap features. And, you know, hopefully they go back, but, you know, you'd hate to see two or three of your potential race winners and title contenders not continue to compete at that racetrack because of this situation and now you're down to 13 cars in you know two weeks so we'll see unfortunate situation and and with double features like that you got to be careful um and you see it everywhere where you know there are drivers that sandbag in race one and and suddenly they're you know straight away ahead of the field in, in race two because of how they approached race one you know we see that across the country up here in the northeast we don't do double features um for that very reason, you know, you get one race a night yeah. and, you know, you either, you know, do well or, or you don't. And if you don't come back, you have a week to fix it and come back next week and do it again. So I don't know, you know, I mean, every region is different. Every track is different. It's just a bad situation right now at Hickory. Yep. We'll keep an eye on it for sure. Uh, more to come on this story, definitely here on NASCAR coast to coast. So stay tuned for that, but uh, we'll see what happens next week. 
when Hickory continues their regular season. Well, that does it for us. Kyle, I've got to hit to the track here at Sebring International Raceway, where it is much warmer than where you are. Uh, I already have a little bit of a tan. Uh, it's interesting being down here a whole week, but we've got cars on track. I actually can hear them out the window here. So going to head on over, but uh, hopefully you have a good rest of your week. And I'm looking forward to seeing you and Coda next week. Yep, uh, Coda next week. And uh, this week, though, we got, a, of course, a NASCAR Truck Series race in Atlanta. So it's going to be a fun weekend. Absolutely. MRN's coverage of the FR8 208 at 1.30 p.m. Eastern coming up on MRN this weekend on Saturday. Thank you so much, Whelan, for being a part of NASCAR Coast to Coast, presented by uh, Whelan Engineering on the road, in the air, and around the world. Whelan is trusted to be seen, trusted to be heard, and trusted to perform. For Kyle Ricky, our producer, Pat Jaggers, I'm Chris Wilner. See you next week.